Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me on Power Your Life. I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's a pleasure to be here today. I don't know where you are. I want to send some prayers out to those people and some beautiful energy out to those people who have been challenged by weather and tornadoes. And also, what are you challenged with? Is your mind, your inner mind, or perhaps your inner critic really playing havoc with you in terms of making you feel less than And we're going to find out more about that with my upcoming guest. But how many of you really, really feel that there's something blocking you from moving forward? And how do you come to terms with that? How do you make peace with that? My guest, Mark Coleman, is the author of Make Peace With Your Mind and Awaken the Wild. He's the founder of the Mindfulness Institute and has guided students on five continents as a corporate consultant, counselor, meditation teacher, and wilderness guide. In Making Peace with Your Mind, Mark targets the inner critic and offers readers the tools needed to reduce your critic's impact on your life. Mark's book is full of simple exercises and strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling fulfilling, excuse me, life today. In his late teens, renowned meditation teacher Mark was a punk rocker with a lot of rage. His mind was full of self-flagellation that left him never feeling good enough. And Mark was in constant search for a target for his anger. Every decision then he made was wrong, stupid, or hopeless, coming from his inner critic's point of view. Through mindfulness meditation, he was able to turn his attention inward and begin uprooting the inner critic that was causing him so much pain and so much rage. And now Mark shares these tools with you. How are you, Mark? How Glad to have you Good here. Good morning. Good. Yes. yes. Happy to be on the show. Wonderful. Calling from a rainy California. Yeah, I heard about some of those storms and and mudslides and whatever. I was glad that you were able to make it. So let's just get right into it. Many people at this point know what the inner critic is, but they don't know mm-hmm. how much havoc the inner critic can really <laughs> cause. So can you give us a little bit of idea of what some of the things or the challenges that the inner critic poses for us, Mark? Yeah, so, you know, that voice, as as you say, most people are pretty familiar with that negative, disparaging, critical voice. Um, you know, it has a lot of different impacts. I mean, it varies from person to person, but the one of the most important things we need to be aware of, as I talk a lot about in the book, is, is be aware of our relationship to the critic. So 
if we listen to that voice, <clears throat> if we believe it, if we give it authority, if we um, take in its message, then the, 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 there's like a short-term and a long-term effect. The short-term effect is, you know, we, we feel judged, we feel criticized, we might feel stupid, we might feel bad. We, <clears throat> one of the net effects of the critic is we feel a sense of shame for what we've done or who we are or what we're not. And, um, and then uh, in a long-term, from a long-term perspective, we tend to feel um, less worthy. We tend to feel less good about ourselves. We can feel an ongoing sense of shame or unworthiness or low esteem. And so over time, it becomes a very debilitating uh, voice that has a lot of uh, negative impacts. You know, and I work with people like you do to to help them with their inner critic. And sometimes I hear from people, and somebody's writing in right now, sometimes I hear from people more that their inner critic is so loud, so judgmental, that it actually blocks out some of the other positive affirmations or whatever else they're using. How does that that inner critic grow to have so much power over us? Well, I think it, it has that much power because we've given it that power. You know, the words and thoughts in our heads only have the power that we give them. Um, so, you know, it, it, and we've had that voice for a long time. We, you know, with the critic starts at a very early age. And, um, you know, if we think about the amount of times um, that voice has told us we're stupid, we're not good enough, we're not smart. You know, it's like that's a lot of messages over a long period of time, a lot of negative statements. And so it makes sense that over time that has it's grown in effect. And, of course, many people feel very allied to the critic or reliant on the critic. You know, they're, 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 I often hear, well, I wouldn't get out of bed if I didn't have a critic. I wouldn't make the right decision. And so the more that we listen to it, the more it actually has power and sway over us. You know, you talk about debilitating. And I remember when I was younger, my inner critic would tell me that I couldn't do anything from even even at that time, washing a dish. It would say, don't do that. You're going to break it or taking. So I had to work with because like you were saying, so debilitating. I had to work with my inner critic, because it wouldn't let me do common, mundane kinds of things that we that we, we don't even give much thought to, and yet it was so loud and so critical and raging at me. Now, you went through that when you were younger. Could you tell us a little bit about your, your, your story and how you shifted it? Sure. Yeah, so, you know, like you and probably many of your listeners – you know, I had a that strong, critical, negative voice that was always saying, you know, well, I'm not good enough, not smart enough. And I don't know particularly why that was the case for me. I mean, I have some ideas, but um, what I did know is that it's, it's, an, it's a negative impact of that. And the consequences was I, was I felt very debilitated. I felt a lot of shame and self-hatred and uh, the anger was turned inwards. And so, um, you know, the net effect of that was I felt, you know, you know mildly depressed and, and, and down in myself and um, a little bleak. And, and I think what I did is I turned that anger and judgment and rage outwards. Um, 
so um, that was the that was my way of dealing with it. But of course, it doesn't work because it just it just it just shifts the shifts the attention from from in to out, but doesn't actually do the work that we want to, want to need to do. So um, yeah, so I you know became a very angry young man, and I thought if I only fixed the world's problems out there, I would be happy. <laughs> but I didn't realize. You know, it was I needed to fix my own house before I took care of anybody else's. So that was a learning which we all have to go through, you know, in our, in our spiritual and, and uh, work and our own evolution. You know, that that's really important because we have to, like you said, we have to fix our own house. We have to really kind of take a look at what's going on with us and within us because Oftentimes we're reflecting or mirroring the, the world outside, and, and so you're right. We have to start start with us first. You talk a lot about, and your book is about mindfulness, and you actually you have this institute of mindfulness. For many of our listeners, I love mindfulness. I've been working with mindfulness for a long time, but for many of our listeners who aren't familiar with what mindfulness is and the term and how can you just describe it a little bit to us please more yeah so i mean mindfulness you know the the subtitle of the book mindfulness and compassion can help free you from the critic and i i regard it as this two really essential qualities both for life and for meditation and for working with a critic and the first is you know awareness you know without awareness without self-awareness how can we possibly be, you know, know what's going on in our own mind and our heart. And so, so we can cultivate this quality of attention through meditation, through intention, through focus, through, you know, various ways to develop mindfulness. And as, you know, as, as this, what happened for me when I first started meditating, I suddenly saw, oh my God, that like my mind is crazy and very loud and very busy and very negative and full of very self-destructive thoughts. And so, so, we, so as we become, as we cultivate self-awareness, we can begin to pay attention to, okay, what am I, what am I thinking? And more importantly, not just what I'm thinking, you know, and what am I judging, how am I judging, but also paying attention to uh, how much we believe those thoughts, how much we listen to the thoughts, how much we give them authority, how much we give them objective reality, which of course they're not, they're just a, subjective and often distorted point of view. So the, so the mindfulness brings a lot of discernment and, and clarity about, you know, what's going on in my head and do I believe it and what impact is it having? Because if we don't bring that kind of assessment and discernment, then the thoughts will continue and we will continue to feel negatively impacted by them. What is mindfulness meditation? One of one of our people are asking. One of our listeners that's asking today. What, what we know yeah. about mindfulness? So mindful- yeah, go ahead. Right. So med- mindfulness meditation is. I mean, there are many many forms of mindfulness meditation, but basically, they're all ways of cultivating attention. And mindfulness is this clear awareness, this ability to know our experience. So often we. Mindfulness meditation starts with paying attention to your breath as, as a way to focus and, and steady and center the attention, you know, because we're so often not in the present moment. So the first part of mindfulness training is learning how to be present. And then, um, you know, from that, we learn to expand our attentions to be present 
to all of our experience, thoughts, feelings, emotions, body, sensations, other people, our environment. So ultimately, we're just becoming more present and more aware. And then with that awareness, we also have more understanding, we have more insight, we have more clarity. So we apply that to the critic and we, we have more uh, clarity and also we learn how to disengage from some of those thoughts, voices, ideas, especially the unhealthy and painful ones. <laughs> and again, that critic can, can like you said, d- debilitate us and, and do us harm. And some people say, well, I can't give, like you said, I can't give up the critic because how would I get out of bed or whatever? How do people discern what the difference, because we, we I know now that I'm working with mindfulness and that I've actually worked with my inner critic, I get messages and I work a lot with my intuition. But some somebody is asking, how do people recognize that voice when it's coming from from giving us really healthy guidance or guidance that we need versus the inner critic that may be slamming us and and halting us or or calling for danger when it's not how do we how do we know the difference yeah no that's a great question and i think it's it's uh it's an important question because we do need to learn to to experience and, and tell the difference between the judge, which is basically sort of attacking, you know, who we are and our goodness and our good qualities and our capacity and a discernment, you know, where we're learning to, you know, in, in, we need this for our work and for parenting and for, you know, anything that we do, we need to be able to discern and assess and what's right, what's good, what's helpful, what's useful, what's the right path. And so how I make that distinction is um, the critic um, is really about the person, right? So, um, so for example, say you, uh, you know, take, you, take your radio show, right? So you, 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 uh, you know, you're interviewing somebody and then at the end, you know, you might review and say, well, how did that go? Was it a good conversation? Did we stay on, on topic? Did it, was it engaging and interesting? And, you know, and sometimes I'm sure they're great. Sometimes they're challenging and just like with anything in our lives. And, and so, you know, and that's a healthy assessment, right? We, you know, maybe you talk to your producer and, yeah, you're talking, yeah, what was that like? It was good, and, you know, great, fantastic, okay. And then, but the critic comes in and instead of that just simple assessment of the data and what worked and what didn't, the critic comes in and it's, it's already implying something about you. So, um, it will come in and, 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 and take the same data and go, well, you know, that was, you know, that wasn't very interesting. That was boring. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. You know, why did you do this and not that? And, and so it starts, and, and the implication is, you know, that you somehow are bad or wrong or stupid or a failure or not good enough for whatever happened. So it goes from a simple assessment to, um, an assessment of your value or worth as a person. And, and that's where, that's the damaging part because it's the, it's the attack on our value and our goodness as a person that's really uh, painful and detrimental. Can you see the difference? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me, yes. How does it get to have such a powerful voice within us? Well, um, that is a good question. I think... Um, it starts by, you know, when we're young, right, uh, 
um, we, we have to learn how to fit in with our family, right? We, we have to fit in with the norms of the culture and the religion. And, um, you know, so, you know, as I was talking to someone, I was on, recently on a book tour and someone saying, you know, I grew up in a violent alcoholic family and I had to learn the rules very quickly because if I didn't, I was, you know, I was, I was harmed. And um, so, so we developed what, the, what Freud called the superego, which is, that part of the ego structure that learns how to um, basically keep us in line, to shut down some of our wilder passions and feelings and emotions and um, so we can fit in with our family. And so in his case, it was very, very necessary. And it, it is for, for all, all infants to learn how to, you know, keep our parents loving and connected rather than annoying them and rejecting us. And so that, so that voice has a lot of power and authority. And then over time, it strengthens, you know, what's right, what's not right, what lets us feel love, what lets us fit in. Um, and, and then as adolescents, you know, I think that, that tendency grows stronger because as adolescents, we really need, again, that peer pressure to fit in, to be liked, to be loved. And so it just, it just goes on. It, it gets, you know, it, it strengthens and grows over time. And of course, the more we listen to it or believe it or think we need, we need its advice to, to, to stay on track, then um, just like with anything that we give a lot of attention to, it grows in, its, uh, in power and, uh, and influence. And that's why I, I have people you know, with mindfulness pay attention to how much do you actually listen? How much do you believe it? How much do you give it authority? Because the more you do, the more likely you're going to suffer with it. I think that's so important because it can loom larger than life if we if we give it so much power, which I remember at be at young when I was younger it you know it was I also tell people about that inner critic that that when we're going through the early stages it, it's sometimes it serves as a warning. Don't put your hand near the stove stop don't don't there's a red light don't go you know, and so we get some of its messages like you said from family and from society, and I also think it's messages that we that that we start to learn in terms of how we negotiate or navigate our world, and then suddenly it takes on that that element of control too. I want to talk about neuroplasticity because mm-hmm. there's so much new science about how we can really change the brain and create new pathways. How does that work with mindfulness and, and with sort of silencing the inner critic, Mark? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of interest in the last 10, 15 years from neuroscience about mindfulness because there's, there's a lot of really interesting research that shows how mindfulness directly um, has an impact on the brain and its structure and its functioning. And so basically, um, you know, we can, the, the, the essence of neuroplasticity is that we can change the, the brain and the function, the behavior, the patterns by what we do, by what we think, by how we pay attention, by what we pay attention to. So mind, and, that, and that's really the basis of mindfulness practice is that, my, you know, with mindfulness, we can actually not just pay attention, but actually shift habits, 
patterns, behaviors, so we can come to live with more ease, more well-being, etc. And so, um, so the, and I, the reason why I talk about neuroplasticity in the book is that, you know, I ask the question of people, you know, what kind of person do you want to become? Because we have a choice to some degree, you know, and do we want to become, do we want to be, maintain or get stronger uh, at being a judgmental, nitpicking, negative, critical, downer voice? Or do we want to be the kind of person that's kind and, and appreciative and supportive and constructive and creative? And I'd say in every moment we have a choice, whether it's looking at ourselves or looking at other people, um, we have the choice whether to focus on what's, what's wrong, what we see as problems or faults or negative, and what we see as, as positive and constructive and healthy and beautiful and, and wise and kind. And so we have to ask ourselves when we're judging and, and looking at people with a critical lens, am I, do I want to be strengthening this pattern? Do I want to be strengthening this habit of judgment and criticism, or would I rather actually strengthen the, the habit of kindness and friendliness and, and positivity and warmth and, and appreciation? So that's the, that's the basis of neuroplasticity, and we have that choice. We just forget that we have that choice. And it's important to remind ourselves like that we do have that choice because it opens up a, a level of control about not only our present, but as you, you're pointing out your future too, in terms of where you want to be, what you want, you know, what you want to do in the future in relationship to yourself and also in relationship to other people. One of the things that I love about your book, Make Peace With Your Mind, is the... I guess we'll call it a toolbox. You have all these exercises that the reader can actually dip into and utilize to to work with their inner critic. Would you share one or two of those um, tools from or exercises from your toolbox for that, please? Yeah, sure. So it's yeah, I, I I wanted to give people a variety of skills because you know with anything in life we need a it's never one size fits all. And we often need a variety of things to, to deal with anything, especially our internal process. And so, um, so I give, I give a variety of skills. One of course is mindfulness, which is in the subtitle and also compassion, which is, you know, to be caring with ourselves rather than to be critical and mean, I think is also very important. One of my, one of the strategies I like to talk about is humor because, um, you know, it's really important that we, can see ourselves with a little bit of lightness because we can, you know, the critic is very heavy and is always looking at what's wrong. And, and so we can be left with this kind of, you know, negative down, uh, distorted perspective. And, um, and if we pay attention to the critic, we see that it's rather a bizarre mechanism. It tells us to do something and then it tells us not to do something and it tells us to do one thing and then judges us for doing it. And, and so, you know, we're often damned if we do and damned if we don't. And if we can find a sense of humor or lightness in it, then we can create a little space around it in the same way that, you know, I know that my judge is, you know, for the most part, reliably critical about certain things. Or if I'm late or if I lose my keys or, you know, my critic will say, well, you know, look at you, Mr. Mindful, you know, you're supposed to be a mindfulness teacher and here you are, you can't <laughs> find your keys, 
And so I, so I preempt the critic by saying, yeah, look at his Mr. Mindfulness wins the day again. He's lost his keys. He can't find his wallet or whatever. And I just make a joke of it rather than thinking, oh, no, I should be perfect. I should be mindful of every moment. I should, you know, just like, no, I'm a human being and I have my stuff. So that's one strategy I like. And then, um, you know, another strategy I think this helpful is, you know, we can be loving and kind with ourselves and that can sometimes come across, sometimes be, you know, tender and, 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 and uh, you know, tuning to our vulnerability. But sometimes that love can be fierce. You know, sometimes we can be very strong and, and, and the critic, just as we would, and I often give this analogy, like I, I say, you know, imagine giving your critic critic's words to a friend and let them talk to you like your critic does. How long would you let them talk to you so negatively and critically, like 10 seconds, a minute before you'd say, no, stop, wait a minute. This isn't fair. This isn't so accurate. This isn't kind. I don't want to hear all these things about me that I've done wrong. And so if we apply that to ourselves, we can ask the same thing. Why do we let this voice talk to us so negatively, critically, incessantly so often? And so, so one way that love can manifest is a certain kind of fierceness that says, no, like, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to take this. It's not helpful. It's not accurate. And so we, we stand up for ourselves in a, at a, with, love, with a, a loving self-protection where we say, no, it's not, not helpful, not useful. I'm not going to listen to this point of view that is distorted. And then one other quality I think is really important is the inquiry, which is kind of, I was just touching on that, which is where we actually bring some reflection and we say, well, who is this voice? And is this, is this really true? And can I understand that this judgment is actually just a point of view? It's, it's, a, it's a perspective rather than actual reality. Because if we, I often have in, in my workshops, I have people write down their top 10 judgments and then I ask them to share them with somebody either in the room or at home and, and, to, and to get a reality check. Cause, cause so often if we shared our judgments with anybody that knows us, we would see that actually they're not very accurate. They're, 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 they're a distorted perception. And so the more we bring some, bring some rational inquiry to those judgments, the more that we can actually see they're not true and allow us to have some space from them. I like that form of analysis to like self self analysis and that self awareness because I think it's so important. A colleague of mine used to say that when you hear that inner voice, talk back to it and just say, you know, if it's saying, Oh, you shouldn't do this and what's wrong with you, just and just very calmly turn, you know, say to yourself, I'll take that under thank you. I'll take that under advisement. Which kind of right. creates that who's the boss you know this is just somebody or some voice within us giving us an opinion while we're the discerning ones we'll say okay well maybe I'll listen to it thank you and 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 being able to move forward um yeah I like I I often use that yeah I often use a similar thing where I say thank you for your opinion (laughs) have a nice day (laughs) or thank you for your opinion go bother somebody else now (laughs) so you so you're hearing it but you're as you say yeah you're, you're 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 not taking every word. You're saying, okay, that's interesting to hear. Just like someone else might say something about you critically and you're okay. Well, you're entitled to your point, your point of view. And, um, you know, and uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> right. See, that actually gives it less power. And when I, I'm sure right. you've worked with people 
people like I have where they feel that their inner critic is so large, looming so large, and that they can't move or, like you said earlier, it, it immobilizes us. So when when you're actually being the boss, <laughs> it puts the critic in a, in a totally different, less, you know, more of a, a minuscule um, place than than looming larger than life. Is it possible? I know we we don't have that much time, but is it possible for you to take our listeners through a mini mindfulness exercise, like a meditation? Yeah, just a, a sure. very brief one. Yeah, absolutely. How, how 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 many minutes would you like me to do it for? We have about three to five minutes. Is that enough? Sure. Mm. Okay, Takes let's do that. Then I want then because afterwards I want you to be able to tell people how they can get a hold of your book and you and all of that good stuff. Sure. Okay. So wherever you are listening in, uh, just um, find a comfortable posture where you can sit and and. Be comfortable, sit upright, and it might help if you close your eyes and turn your gaze of attention inwards, so being present to your appearance of your body sitting or lying, and just bring attention to your inner experience. What's the inner landscape like as you sit? How does the body feel? Being aware of the breath. Letting your breath breathe itself and just simply be present. What's the quality? How do I feel my breath in this moment? Where do I feel it? Aware of your body, sensations of sitting, aware of your breath. We have sounds that may be in the background, human sounds, nature sounds. We have any feeling or emotion that's present. How are you feeling in this moment? And of course, you may continue to think or plan or visualize remember notice that and keep returning your attention to the present to the physical sensory present sitting, breathing listening time your attention wanders, you notice that that itself is a moment of mindfulness. And as we're sitting, paying attention to also to the quality of your thoughts, noticing if there's a tone in the mind of judgment, criticism, <clears throat> harshness, rejection. And without judging that, simply being curious. That's my experience, and can I be present without judging?
And then as we begin to wrap this up, just notice what happens as you take some moments to cultivate a simple present moment attention. And you can open your eyes, and as we continue to talk and you move on with your day, just know you can bring this quality of mindful awareness, attention to your experience in any moment. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. I I think what happens is that as as we're, because I was doing this with you, as we're actually having that level of awareness of the breath and whatever it, it, I know for me, it allowed me to feel calmer because I was doing that and also more peaceful. And I think when you're doing it without that judgment, it does soften the inner critic. Now my inner critic has been pretty quiet, is pretty quiet lately. So, which is good because I had to to do work very hard to shift that. But I think that, that when we work with it in the, in that sense of discernment and also awareness, it does put it into the right perspective. So thanks for that. That's important. Tell us a little bit about, about the book more, make peace with your mind which I have right now. Yeah. In my hand. Yes. So the book is a very practical, accessible, experiential book, how mindfulness and compassion can help free you from the critics. So basically it's 30 chapters and there's 30 practices that help you both understand the critic and also find ways to counteract it and work with it in a very constructive and practical way. Um, and And we've just covered some of the, parts of that which are around the, the critic toolkit and mindfulness and compassion um, so uh, yeah very people what I've, what I've been hearing from people is they, they've appreciated how uh, easy to read and how uh, practical it is to apply some of the, the strategies which is what yeah. I love because I think that reading it is great and getting that information and then okay so how do I make this work in my life how do I change my inner critic right now, what are the tools? And Mark, you so beautifully provide the tools so that that we can do just that. So I want to thank you for that. Tell people how they can get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of this book, and also your other book, Awake in the Wild. Sure. So um, my main website is uh, markcoleman.org, M-A-R-K Coleman. C-O-L-E-M-A-N.org, and you can find information there about my, my, this book and my first book, Awake in the Wild, How Mindfulness in Nature Can Be a Path of Self-Discovery, and also my teachings. I'm a meditation teacher. I teach at a place called Spirit Rock in Northern California, and I, but I also host a lot of nature-based meditation courses, and I have a lot of online teachings with the New York Times and a company called Will.com. And then I run trainings in, in companies and organizations, training people in mindfulness. Um, so many, many things. And you can all find that, that about all of that on my website, awakemarkcommon.org. Um, what about the Mindfulness Institute? Can you, how, how does somebody become a, um, involved in that? Yeah, so the Mindfulness Institute is, is an organization I created probably a dozen years ago where I'm learning, I'm bringing 
the tools of mindfulness to you know, contemporary culture, whether it's business or healthcare or schools or university or organizations. And so um, you can go to that website, themindfulnessinstitute.com, and you'll see uh, trainings, courses, retreats, um, and you can also um, uh, reach out to me if you want me to bring mindfulness training into your organization. Wonderful. So, Mark, what would you like our listeners to take away today? Some one quick point or something that that that's important for them to ponder as they work with their inner critic through more of a mindfulness approach. Sure. I think what I want people to remember is, you know, through through mindfulness, we can actually not just listen to our critic, but find constructive ways how to work with it. And that with practice and with some intention and, and effort, we can find tremendous amount of peace and space from the critic so we can find a natural sense of goodness and well-being that's already here. Wonderful. And I think you talked about awareness and compassion. And I think when we work with that inner critic, as you say, it's also about having compassion <laughs> for ourselves and for, as we're kind of moving through all of all of that critical stuff that we've accumulated over the years. So thanks so much for your insight, for for actually walking us through it, for your book, and for all that you do in the world, Mark. Great. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure. Have a blessed day. You too. Thanks. So mindfulness and the inner critic. The inner critic is actually something that you can take charge of rather than the reverse. It doesn't have to take control over you. And Mark Coleman, Make Peace With Your Mind, has wonderful tools that you can utilize to do just that, the exercises that can help you take a look at your inner critic, decide what's going on with it, using that sense of humor that Mark was talking about so that you can face your inner critic, not with fear, not with tremor, trembling and tremor, but more with, with a sense of humor and, and taking a look at it in a way that lightens the load. And we're going to be shifting gears, but what I want to remind you is that, that we're talking about your mind, your ability to change things, your ability to use mindfulness, which is one of the reasons why this show is called Power Your Life, because you have the ability within you to make those kinds of shifts, whether it's changing your inner critic or changing something else about you or learning something and being able to tap into those infinite resources that are within you. So think today about some way that you're going to make a slight shift. It doesn't have to be something big or act on something that you'd like to that allows you to feel more empowered and to power your life in some way. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to Dr. Dr. Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E-W-H-I-T-E.com, drjoannewhite.com. There are some free articles and upcoming shows. And speaking of upcoming shows, next week, February 15th, we're going to have a surprise, love greatness. So love in terms of loving other people, love in terms of loving yourself, 
and love in terms of that wonderful, beautiful, infinite experience of love, which can be just so beautiful and so powerful. Think about all of that. Remember that you are an incredible being. There's no one else like you in the world. And have a blessed day. And thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.